Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 150 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. I don't know, 150, do we care? Uh, unless there's a Chromium cover on it, I don't care. Ah, uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> again, we did beat uh, Jerry in the Internet Championship uh, to the number of defenses of number of episodes. Nice, nice. Um, and I think it's a bigger deal that I think uh, coming up next month, is three years that we've been doing this yeah like the math doesn't quite add up we've talked about this before because there was like some skipped episodes there were some episodes that we thought we recorded but we didn't there were some double weeks in there but um i'm just just looking forward to our what is it like hollywood uh parking lot brawl that we're gonna do for our our 200th is that what we're doing is that the plan uh, I, well, I, I figure, like, I saw the Orange Cassidy versus Stokely Hathaway uh, defense on YouTube today, so I just figured we would just copy that. Had you never seen that before? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Long time okay. ago. Okay. First, first time I've seen it in, like, a year, so it was gotcha. a, good flat, a good refresher. But, but yeah, 150 episodes, uh, unless, you know, the listeners want to make a big deal of it. You know, you can throw some congratulations Joe's way, but, you know, for tolerating me for 150 episodes, but... Other than that, I'm good. Sure. And the Grammy parking lot brawl. Or, oh, Grammy. Okay, my bad. Or, or Wilkes-Barre parking garage brawl. I was going to say, it looked a lot like Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> it's funny how Hollywood looks like that when it's shot through those cameras. It's all the like the graininess of the lens, I think, is what does it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty crazy. That was like recorded, I think, but right before... Uh, Stokely got signed by WWE and a little bit before AEW started, you know, OC was still out there pounding the pavement, but, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to see that those two crazy kids are out there doing their thing on like such big stages now. And they were just like, however many years ago that was filmed, we're a mile from my house dicking around in the parking (laughs) garage. In between, in between the Dirt movie theater and uh, the prestigious Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium offices. <laughs> well, first of all, I wouldn't call it dicking around because uh, you know wrestling students are going to be watching footage of this for years to come. You know, just to study the study the the psychology of that match. Right, of course. <laughs> and now, at odds with wrestling presents. This day in wrestling history. All right, let's get into this day in wrestling history. It is kind of a busy day in wrestling history, and I always like when these days like this come up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so going to bounce around a little bit. Um, so on this day in wrestling history in 2008, uh, the World Wrestling Entertainment and Ric Flair's uh, agreed to terms for Ric Flair's release. Wait, wait, wait. What? Right. Like the, I uh, feel like that just happened. <laughs> on this day in 2008, it happened, Adam. Uh, oh. Maybe more on that a little bit later on. But yeah, this was after they do the whole big retirement thing where he loses to Sean. Yeah. And uh, Ric Flair's like, oh, shit, I still want to wrestle. <laughs> so he's like, can I have my release? And they're like, you're not going to go to TNA and wrestle, are you? And he said, no. Scout's uh, honor. <laughs> because because what he did first was he fleeced Ring of Honor out of a bunch of money first. Then he fleeced High Spots out of a bunch of money. Then he went to go wrestle for TNA. 
<laughs> at some point in there, did he sell the big gold belt only for Triple H to buy it back? Or do I no. Oh, so okay, so that's the thing. Um, that was the high spot scam. He okay. Didn't, he didn't sell the big gold belt. He sold like the original NWA title, like the pre nineteen eighty six one. Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, high spots. You could absolutely sell it, and you know, so on and so forth. But the problem is. Uh, after they gave Ric Flair the money to buy the belt from him so they could sell it, Ric Flair then sold the belt to someone else. Oh, well, seems seems like a completely legitimate operation. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, on this day in wrestling history, five years ago, 2016, the first ever episode of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard came out. See, I was wondering, and in the show notes, you just have 2016 Brucey. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to figure that out. <laughs> my sweet Brucey. Uh, so I would say there probably hasn't been a wrestling podcast that influential since uh, Cabana first started doing his podcast. So pretty much the timeline is Cabana, then Brucey, then this one, right? Ours. Sure, sure. Okay. We're, like I said, it was, you know, we're coming up on the... <laughs> Three year of us is mentioned, but yeah, I really still like Brucey's episodes. Some uh, episodes where they have guest hosts might be clunkers, and sometimes Brucey's a little sleepy because he's on McMahon time and sleep is the enemy and so <laughs> forth. Uh, but definitely go back and like listen to a lot of those first couple episodes. There's um, from that first year, there's some real bangers in there. Um, like I said, a lot, I think it, it's very influential to not only like a lot of podcasters, but just, I think, fandom as well. Because uh, I think it okay. made people not hate Bruce Pritchard for a couple years. And then now they're <laughs> back to hating Bruce again. So he had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> Which episode were you a guest host on? None. None? None. There was, was one point. about a month ago where Conrad was on vacation. and They had some dude sit in uh, to do like King of the Ring 2001 or whatever the hell it was, right? Uh, and Brucey was just not giving this guy anything, right? Like, it was, like, one-word answers, uh, like, purposely fucking up the guy's name. And you could tell Bruce was cranky that it wasn't Conrad, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess this guy sat in on, like, the Arn show and the Bischoff show. And, like, they didn't care. You know what I mean? Arn don't give a shit, like, one way or the other. Bischoff don't care. The money's green. But, like, mm -hmm. up front, Tony Schiavone's like, no. Uh, no guest hosts. Like, I guess we're just not doing an episode this week. Because, like, the current Tony Schiavone show is them watching uh, Tony and Conrad watching the old 1986 NWA stuff. And Tony's like, no, the podcast is me and Conrad watching stuff, not me and some other guy watching stuff. So yeah. we'll take a week off then. If uh, if you're taking a week off, I'm, if, if you're taking a week off, I'm taking a week off, you know? Yeah. Okay. So no no supposed to appearance. It's the one podcast, the one wrestling podcast that doesn't have an episode. No, no. I I have had a question or two of mine asked recently on the Double J podcast, but I don't see that that counts as an appearance if you ask me. I if you if, if your name appeared on it at some point, <laughs> at least that I count it. You know. Okay. <laughs> uh, also on this day in wrestling history, on nineteen ninety five. Uh, from the ECW arena in South Philadelphia, ECW ran Wrestlepalooza. Uh, now, on paper, this may look like a trash card uh, where it's like the same, like, 12 guys over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, you got JT Smith versus Hack Myers, Big Val Puccio versus Tony Stetson, 
uh, Raven, Richards, and the Dudleys against Dreamer, Cactus Jack, and the Pitbulls. Uh, then you have Two Cold Scorpio, Dean Malenko, and Cactus Jack uh, against Eddie Guerrero and the Steiners. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck versus the Sandman and the Gangsters versus the Public Enemy. Now, as I mentioned, a lot of big things happen on this show. Uh, in the opener, uh, I know you've probably seen it or aware of it. See JT Smith getting ready to do a dive over the top rope and his knee pads get caught on the top rope. And he just takes a header right to the floor and he gets the big goose egg on his uh, on his head. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I've seen it in gift form. I don't remember seeing it first run. Well... I would have to say that is the first in recorded wrestling history of the you fucked up chant. Oh, well, that is memorable. You could literally pinpoint it to this moment. Um, also, this is the Cactus Jack heel turn in ECW. Okay. Uh, the beginning of like that infamous run where he cuts like the Kane Dewey promo and all those legendary promos that end up getting him signed by World Wrestling Entertainment. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, but like I said, this is this is one of those shows where like the the full thing never made VHS. Most of it is just all like clipped up for TV, and it's also the Steiners' last match in ECW. That amazing run that they had there. Mm-hmm. Who can forget ECW originals, the Steiners? <laughs> I I feel like I, I, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there like a Pioneer DVD release of this? I feel like Wrestlepalooza was like one of those like 12 original dvds i could be wrong on that no so the pioneer that you're thinking of is maybe like one of those like extreme warfare volume whatevers Mm -hmm. where it would be um not this full show but like jt smith match makes tv val puccio match makes tv the eight man with raven richards and the dudleys makes tv the tag match or the the six man with two cold malenko and cactus is clips Mikey vs. Sandman is clips. Gangsters and Public Enemy is clips. And then I think that six man ends up going on one of those Pioneer DVDs in full. Okay, uh, you know what? I'm looking it up right now. There's Wrestlepalooza 97 is the one I was thinking of. They actually okay. have a full release. Well, full-ish. I don't know. Yeah. My bad. That's okay. Um, but lastly, I want to mention it that today in wrestling history, uh, Bobby Eaton passed away. Um, Bobby Eaton is one of, I would say, the best wrestlers, um, ever. When people say underrated wrestlers, he's at the top of that list. He had a career that spanned something like 23 years, and most of that was on TV up until, like, the dying days of WCW. Uh, whether it was tag team stuff or single stuff, uh, multiple different partners, and you'll never see someone more respected or loved um, by his peers, by other wrestlers, just for, like, how smooth he was, how good he was in the ring, the stuff that he could do. And, again, he was one half of the Midnight Express, who was probably my favorite WCW tag, NWA WCW tag team champion uh, ship team. And I know my buddy Tom, who runs the WCW Deep Cuts account, was putting up a bunch of stuff today. And it was stuff like, oh, here's a match where, like, Macho Man was at the height of his powers, but he worked an even match on WCW Saturday Night with Bobby Eaton. Here's Kurt Henning, who's the U.S. champion at the time, and works an even match with Bobby Eaton on TV. You know, um, on, like, WCW Saturday, like, Worldwide or whatever the hell it was. And, like, Bobby Eaton would, like, use those Worldwide tapings 
to take his kids on vacation to Disney. Um, mm-hmm. Like so many great stories, like back in the day before Jim Cornette became like the biggest piece of dog shit in the world. Like all those, like it was all wholesome stories about Bobby Eaton, how he's like the nicest guy in the world. Um, and his wife actually just passed away not like a month ago. So, you know, it's just a bummer to see. Um, but go out of your way, look up some uh, Bobby Eaton stuff. And I know, oh, one of the other ones. Uh, I know Monsoon Classic posted up like all the skits of Bobby Eaton becoming Earl Robert Eaton. <laughs> uh, one half of the Blue Bloods. And there's one of the skits where they're in Los Angeles uh, right around the time of the OJ trial. And while Regal's cutting his promo, Bobby Eaton's in the background digging through the bushes and finds the knife and just puts it back in the bushes <laughs> and then just like comes into the promo. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. like he, he had good comedy timing. He was a great in-ring performer, um, underrated promo, but like I said, well-respected by every single one of his peers. Uh, like I said, go out of your way and go watch some Bobby Eaton stuff. There's tons of it on every streaming service, platform, YouTube, Daily Motion, etc. Yeah, I'll have to check out some of those promos because I remember them being early in, but I don't remember like the transition. So that might be something worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I think if you go look up the boar, he actually one of his tweets today was tweeting up the link to all the skits. Oh, nice. So that's it. That's this day in wrestling history. All right. Quick, quick and easy one. I guess we'll get right into likes then. Yes. I felt that was long. I felt uh, as though we did a lot. Well, you know what? It just flew by. Time flies when you're having fun, Joe. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'll go first. I'm waiting for your affirmation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. So obviously we record this. Let's peek behind the curtain on Thursday nights. So a lot of times when you want to talk about impact, and I, I'm sure everybody out here wants us to talk more about impact, it feels like it's a week old. It's like it's really old news. But I wanted to just real quick throw in my likes, a segment from last week's impact. And I know I throw a lot of love towards his podcasting partner, but I want to give flowers where they're due uh, to Brian Myers the little segment that him and Sam Beal had uh, as far as trying to pick out a partner for Brian Myers for TNA Homecoming um, or Impact Homecoming. And just real quick, I want to say these segments between Myers and Sam Beal have been great for like a month now with uh, Sam being his apprentice. Um, But specifically, this one's in my likes because uh, Brian had the great idea of calling up Raven to, for some advice, and I mean, right there, great advice there. Um, who suggested that Brian get Beulah as his tag partner? Uh, unfortunately, when Sam was tasked with getting Beulah's phone number, Sam gave Brian the old ECW hotline number, which obviously Brian knows by heart. Uh, so Brian decides to call his plan B or his plan C, which was Francine. On video chat, Francine looking great, as always. Shout out to the boar. Um, but uh, we find out from Francine that Brian Myers is on Francine's Patreon, buys frequent cameos. Uh, but at the end of the day, she was very offended that uh, she was not his first choice. And then I guess he went and got Missy Hyatt or whatever. But uh, all those segments with Brian Myers and Sam Beal are pretty funny. But this one, specifically because of all the ECW throwbacks, was really good. And again, it's ancient history because it happened a full seven days ago, but I wanted to throw it in. 
Yeah, and you mentioned about the Missy Hyatt thing. So Sam got Missy Hyatt, but Missy Hyatt's not a wrestler. So Brian ended up having to work the match by himself. And there was a lot of good promo stuff that was up on uh, Impact, social media, YouTube, etc. Kind of the pre and the post of the match from Slammiversary this past weekend. But yeah, Brian's awesome. Brian's killing it. You know, and I, I always feel bad uh, that I kind of overlook Impact for the reason that you mentioned. It's on as we record, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it gets lost in the news cycle, it feels like. Right, right. Uh, but I have a feeling, um, no spoilers, there might be an episode coming up of Impact. When I know it's coming, it might be one of those things where it's like, well, I could say it on the show because it's like airing as we speak. Yeah. And it might make into a like or a dislike. No oh, spoilers are, there either. Are we going to have to take like a live break from the recording to like watch it? Maybe. Oh, Maybe. (laughs) It's almost like they film a month's worth of television in like two afternoons. (laughs) Actually, well, actually, like two months and two afternoons, but yes. Okay. I don't know if you heard Broski complaining that he had to have three matches in two days. Well, I mean, he's a a big boy. You know, he's not built for endurance. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So let's get into one of my likes. I think we might double up on this. So whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it would just be uh, how I mentioned the you mentioned the Brian Myers stuff and I mentioned like the promo stuff before and after it. So we'll include the promo stuff before and after this as well, because it is all part of the package, as they say. Uh, but that would be from AEW Dynamite this past week as uh, John Moxley, Darby Allen and Eddie Kingston took on the team of Daniel Garcia and uh, Matt and Jeff 2.0 the show. Also in my likes, very, very easy pick for likes this week. Right. Perfect. So we can talk about it. Um, big mark out moment when I saw uh, that come up. I know on the Saturday edition of, you know, the their YouTube show, they were teasing something that was happening in like four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Um, and then somebody else who will not be named, I'm like, oh, you see this? And they just kind of said, like, yeah, yeah, they're going to be on AEW next week. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I go, oh, no, really? And like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, but it was uh, maybe they might have been in, like, the Midwest somewhere uh, this past weekend. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so m- the promos were awesome because those guys are great. Uh, Daniel Garcia, promo-wise and intensity-wise, outside of the ring has come a long way. Uh, since the last time that I saw him live, which was at one of the LVAC shows, uh, the match itself was perfect. All six people did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, and then I don't know if you saw the promo today setting up uh, Daniel Garcia versus Darby one-on-one next week on Dynamite. Oh, and yeah. Then appar- and then apparently they all taped something, I guess, that's going to be on Dark coming up as well. So um, no graphics saying that any of them are all elite just yet. But the match was so much fun on TV. Um, you know, Matt and Jeff are the best. I, I'm so glad that, you know, they're kind of going to get an opportunity. You know, they, they were in the cage. Like, they, they started the show off. Like, they started their AEW run in the ring with arguably, like, the three top baby faces and Sting. And I'm not saying that Sting's not one of the top baby faces. Sting's a legend. But that gift that, you know, I guess as things can go viral these days were Matt. Uh, is making sure that it's the real Sting and he's marking out. Because on the post show, he did say that it could have been Jeff Farmer, uh, <laughs> the NWO Sting, you never know. 
and then Darby just kind of flying in and knocking the shit out of him. Like that was such an awesome moment, you know? Yeah. Um, took a lot of my points there. Darby's suicida can't like the cannonball suicida where he just n- annihilates somebody. Uh, when he did that, as you were saying, Matt was checking on, uh, the legitimacy of sting was just awesome. Uh, just, all of the the vocal like between the promo and just talking shit in the ring you know uh the 2.0 3.0 the show ever eyes whatever again another another group of guys that i'm very late to the party on but i'm happy to be all aboard now and just to throw some credit to the other side i am enjoying the fact that mox and kingston wrestle a very heel style but with like a wink to the camera you know and they still get like completely babyface reactions. And I think that's an interesting dynamic for them because they're, you know, they're brawlers, but they're fan favorites. You know, they might cheat a little bit. I'm always a fan of that style. But as you mentioned, this was a really fun match. Kudos to Garcia and 2.0 for, you know, like you said, opening up the show, huge debut. And uh, I guess Tony Khan is not allergic to money, you know, with this signing. And uh, I'm looking forward to more of it. Absolutely. Um, and I think somebody I saw somebody else point this out on uh, on Twitter. But if you go back and watch that match, and you should uh, and outside of like for his own move, uh, John Moxley stole a page out of the Boar's playbook and took zero bumps in that match. <laughs> well, when you're John Moxley, you don't have to take bumps anymore. I agree. I yeah. agree. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I'm going to go to a dislike then, and all I'll right. keep it brief, and obviously I, I have to be in the the wheelhouse of not liking the fact that the WWE released yet another top guy for budget cuts, and I'm going to just, again, quickly say Bray Wyatt was released, say what you want about him, say if you don't like the spooky gimmicks, if you think he's overrated, whatever, Maybe he is, but I enjoy the, the, especially the Firefly Funhouse stuff. I enjoyed, you know, the Wyatts overall, obviously all three of them. Uh, I am a certified loreologist, so uh, I may pay more attention to the fiend lore than the next guy. I think me and Bix are the two biggest loreologists out there. Uh, so when I saw that he was released, obviously myself and the rest of the internet were scratching our heads. Uh, I know that there was some theories floated around there that it might have been you know through his choice but i think as the week went you know further we were finding that it was uh, uh, a quote-unquote budget cut and again a lot of people released in the past two years from this company and you know i could throw every one of them in my dislikes every week but this is a top top guy in my opinion and uh hopefully if he wants to do something else where he gets to do it if he doesn't you know go do what you want to do but you know fuck wwe once again uh, this is also in my dislikes. Um, you know, the, the Bray stuff, of course, the Ric Flair stuff. Um, apparently, like, other backstage folks. But the Bray Wyatt one really stinks. Um, and, and I'll say, you know, you remember early on when the stuff started, like, we were both really big fans of it. Yeah. And I think they kind of bungled it a little bit as it more and more went on, as it kind of got away from Bray's... I guess, initial idea of it or whatever it was supposed to be. But the more and more it got exposed and overexposed, I think the more and more people started to resent it. And I'll say myself included. Um, It definitely should have been something looked at more as an old, like, 90s babyface Undertaker era character where less is more in the ring, at least. Mm. 
um, you know, keep the skits going for what they are. Um, but I, I remember there was the one leading up to one of the Saudi blood oil money shows where like Seth Rollins showed up in the fun house and like beat it up. Yeah, like tore it down and exposed it as a backstage set. And yeah. I invented that the Firefly Funhouse is an existential place and you shouldn't be able to go there. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that was kind of like the beginning of the end of like really poking holes in a lot of people. But he was still very much over, um, you know, and I, I do know through some mutual friends, uh, again, that I share with uh, Bray Wyatt that he was going through a lot. Um, he was taking Brody's passing this past December harder than most because of how close they were and so forth. Um, you know, that's why he was like off TV up to WrestleMania with the build of the match at Orton. And then the match ended up being what it was. Um, and, you know, I'm the first one to like cock off and make stupid jokes and stuff on Twitter. Uh, but that was one I'm like, nah, let everybody else have their fun with that one. Cause you know, um, I don't know, uh, physical impairments, I guess is easier, you know, talk about Sid Vicious having a freak accident or an accident with a freak. Mm -hmm. uh, but making fun of people's, like, possible mental issues, maybe not the, the most fun. Yeah. But as far as Ric Flair goes, like, I, again, you hate to see somebody lose their job, but I'm a little bit less bothered that's, you know, 80-year-old Ric Flair got released from a wrestling company when he really wasn't being used as anything other than the occasional foil to his daughter but uh you know whatever yeah but you know he was a good like um you know ambassador going out making public appearances on behalf of the company a good legend to trot out whenever it is and uh you know i can almost you know i i was now this one i was going to make the joke on as soon as it came out i'm like well it looks like andrade has a third new manager in <laughs> AEW. <laughs> Uh, but no, I could certainly see, depending on how uh, the world opens up or recloses or reopens up or what have you, that AEW uses Flair as like a goodwill ambassador for them, going out and do public appearances and so forth, autograph signings, yeah. Yeah, maybe do the Bret Hart gimmick where he presents a belt or something like that, you know? Yeah. All right. Ah, so we overlapped again. I have one dislike left. All right, I'll do my last like, and then we'll do your dislike and my dislike. Uh, so my last like is uh, the main event from AEW Dynamite this past week as Malachi Black uh, took on Cody Rhodes in essentially a squash match. Uh, not the first time that this has happened. Uh, I remember there was last year, right around this time, where Brody Lee won the TV title from Cody and essentially a squash. Mm -hmm. um, while you, and more specifically I, may have differing opinions on our fandom of Cody Rhodes, I cannot take away the fact that Cody Rhodes is a star, uh, is very beloved, and is in a very high position. You know, and my opinion on it is not what we're talking about here. But for Cody to be able to sacrifice himself and whatever, you know, on-screen character they has to put another person over. And it's not the first time that somebody else has done it, uh, or not the first time that he's done it. You know, I didn't like the first match that he had with Darby, but I certainly liked the second match that he had with Darby. Uh, I love the match that he had with Kingston. I think that helped Kingston get signed. Uh, obviously, letting Brody squash him out helped. Letting B Alistair Black here squash Cody out, I think is going to make immediately Alistair Black a player. Uh, I could nitpick the corniness of the speech that Cody gave 
Mm. uh, his retirement on that more on that speech a little bit later on in this show. Mm. Um, And obviously it's very clear what's going on. Cody still like he'll be back by the time that his reality show is ready to air. Yeah. Uh, Because I guess um, it was pointed out that big the go big show season two starts filming like next week and Cody's going to be on that. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on here. But, you know, Cody could have just like like got beaten up in a backstage skit or a million different things. But to actually take like such a decisive loss on TV uh, was really cool. Um, So Cody gets like another like couple of weeks of me not making fun of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on most of that. The match itself, it, it is always fun to see somebody get squashed. Like an unsuspe- unsuspected squash, regardless of who the recipient is, is always entertaining in wrestling. You know, like just the unpredictability of it. So obviously I'm I'm a fan of Aleister Black. Uh, maybe not so much a fan of him keeping the 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 gimmicked eye, but uh, very toyetic debut. Uh, awesome match. And I have shit on Cody before, and I think you've joined me on it when it comes to you know him losing a big match. Uh, and, and I saw a lot of online basically people making the point like you did. That, hey, he puts over people. He put over, as you mentioned, you know, Darby Allen. He puts over Eddie Kingston, you know. But my concern is that when the Go Big Show is over, he's going to come back, decisively get his win back, and then move on. So, like, just like when he went away when Brody beat him. You know, so Brody had that awesome squash, and it was like a holy shit moment, and Brody as always looked like a million bucks with the promos cutting up the belt, you know, bringing out the queen slayer to take out uh, Cody's wife. And and then, you know, when Cody was ready to come back, he decisively beats Brody. And then that feud is over. So that's my only concern is yes. Kudos to Cody for putting over people before he goes and disappears. But my concern is that when he comes back, he's going to squash Aleister black. I'm sorry, Malachi black. And then all of a sudden Malachi is just pushed down the cart. So that's my only concern. So I look at this with cautious optimism. Well, I, you know what? Right now we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. But I know you're you're a big fan of Cody promos. So at the end, you know, he took his boot off because everybody knows when you take a boot off, that's that means that, you know, you're, well, you're, you're take both your boots off. But Malachi oh. Black interrupted him. So that's why he's not fully retired. It doesn't e- stick. Exactly. Oh. Did you see that Cody gimmicked this whole thing by like sending out like an intercompany message saying, oh, you know, you never know when your last day is going to be. And like, I don't, like, yeah, basically cutting the promo that he gave to to the impact or Jesus, the AEW audience to like all the employees. What a guy. Uh, that's OK. Listen, yeah. not a lot of people are on. It was a way to get buzz around it. You know, it could have been like a fake out or whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, see, you're coming around on Cody too much. I don't like this. <laughs> no, listen, he gets a couple. He gets a couple of weeks off. You know, this was a good in-ring business. This is how you do things. Uh, all right, fair enough. I, I I hope you get a turtleneck that has the uh, tattoo on the neck. You know, I don't know why they don't sell that. They should sell neck sleeves for people that don't <laughs> want to get tattoos. Yeah. Um, that it's just a, like a flat, like you know, you know, how they used to sell like the 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 sleeves that you would put on your arms and it made it look like you had like tribal tattoos and shit. Yeah. You get a neck sleeve that it looks like it's the Cody neck tattoo. Or maybe like a Cody Dickey. 
Oh, there you go. You know, (laughs) if you want to have the Cody turtleneck, but you don't want to commit to the full thing. Right. Cody could be uh, quite dicky sometimes. So go ahead with your last dislike. (laughs) All right. I think this is an easy one. I'm going to go with the the third labor of Jericho, and it's the match that opened up AEW this week. Uh, Chris Jericho, uh, no longer... Uh, the uh, the Demon King Chris Jericho, but just run-of-the-mill demo god Chris Jericho versus uh, Luchador legend Juventud Guerrero. If you are a fan of watching somebody slowly climb to the top rope while another person stands and just watches and waits until he's ready to catch him, this match was for you. Uh, I liked how they pointed out during Juventud's entrance that he had beaten Chris Jericho like seven times. But then commentary made a mention that these guys wrestled like 28 times. So that would imply that maybe Jericho won the other 21 times. So I was like, oh, that math's not so good. But, uh, you know, kudos for Hoovy for coming out and getting the pop and, uh, you know, getting that paycheck. But uh, it's pretty bad when 2021 Jericho is the guy who's carrying the match. And that's what we got in this. Uh, It was not pretty. I didn't think this match was as bad as everyone said it was. I didn't get a chance to watch AEW Live as it was happening. This was the opener, and I saw the initial uh, uh, discussion and discourse online about it. And listen, it's two older guys, you know, they're going to wrestle a little bit slower. Uh, Jericho does look near death. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe he should start wearing a mask. And listen, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Jericho Wall has appeared on TV for AEW Bunch. When was the last time he wrestled three episodes of TV in a row? I bet you it's been a very long time. Um, so, you know, he's an older guy. I'm not making a lot of excuses. The match wasn't great, but, you know, I think you guys are all being too hard on uh, the juice. Oh, look at you. You're defending Cody first, then you're defending Jericho. I don't even know you anymore. Well, hang on. Hang on. I dislike here. <laughs> before before you go any further, I just want to say, I think, you know, how Jericho's constantly reinventing himself, reinventing his look, his gear and all that stuff. I think his next look needs to be a, a siglet with the muscles painted on like El, El, El Gigante. <laughs> hey, you're going to say like, um, like Hydra, but that's all natural. So I get you. Yeah, I, I'm talking about like trying to enhance something that's not there. That's all. Right. So my last, uh, my last dislike here. Uh, so, uh, hey Adam. Yeah. Hey yo. Hey yo. Yo. Adam yo. Uh, you, uh, these are stolen from other people's Twitter. Yo, Chris Jericho, you're a legend, son. But where was your wife on January six, two thousand twenty one? Yo. Sensitivity trading told me to consider who each bar hurts. I don't want to end up getting fired like Drake Wirtz. Thanks, AEW, for showing me the way and erasing the D- the evidence with the DMCA. I don't know if you saw AEW Dark this past week before AEW edited it. Uh, I did not watch the original airing, but I did see some... Many people were kind enough to tweet out the original, the original oh, raps. Those raps put together by... Uh, person mentioned on the show before local sound wave and the great david bixon span so uh if you saw an AEW dark uh max caster of the acclaimed uh came out and had a very controversial rap as he's done before 
Um, but this time people felt as though he went too far. And uh, Tony Khan didn't know what was going to happen. And everyone's like, Tony Khan apologized. And I'm like, oh, I bit the bullet. And I listened to that clip of him on uh, Ray Deadly's show. And uh, he never said, we're sorry. He just said, it'll never happen again. Because now Tony's going to personally edit AEW Dark and Ev- uh, Elevation himself. Not like he's busy enough already. Um, and the lie that people were saying before was uh, that he runs every rap by Tony, but I'm sure it gets to a point in the day where it's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. And it gets a hand wave. And then other people are like, this was a taped show. There were 7,000 people in attendance. How come nobody was complaining about it beforehand? I saw people complaining about it on Saturday online. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Did I miss an episode? And then I'm like, I did some digging and I'm like, oh, it's the one that's going to air this week. And people are like, I wonder if they're going to cut it out. Because it got like a real negative reaction, like from the people around ringside and the people in the crowd. But again, you're talking about 7,000 people that were there live. How many of those people are like Twitter and Reddit users to go and post about this in a negative way? Because this was like toward the end of however long taping it was, right? Yeah. So I'll say this as someone who grew up as an ECW fan, still an ECW fan to this day. Uh, I, I, I watched wrestling during the height of the Attitude Era and the Attitude Era, a lot of that stuff doesn't hold up. And I'm all for pushing the envelope. I'm all for taking a risk. I'm all for the heel doing something like this. But my two biggest concerns about this was that the match itself did not end with Julia Hart giving uh, Max Caster like a nut shot or going over on him for all the shit that he's been saying about her for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. And I get you want to make a joke about uh, rape, and I get you want to make a joke about uh, Simone Biles, and I get you want to make a joke that the testing for the COVID vaccine is a hoax. I say space them out. Don't put them all in the same wrap. Do one here, and then do one over here, and then do one over here. I think it was all of them together that kind of really, like, sunk his ship. And then he was supposed to be on Beyond tonight, and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe Beyond pulled him. Or maybe Max decided, I don't want to be out in public and deal with this face-to-face with people today. I'm going to lay low. I'm making the decision to pull myself off the show. Um... But maybe they crossed a line. That's not my decision to make. Um, I wasn't offended by what he was saying because, again, he is a heel. But what he said was really shitty. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, It just sucks now that now everyone's been like, oh, now AEW is going to become a PG product. And I'm like, I don't know. I watch PG-13 movies and they say shit like 45 times in them. So, like, maybe it's like PG-13 product. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, like you said, not the best choices in the the diss track, Um, but he's done similar stuff before. But like you said, I think it's the culmination of just like a lot of it all in one shot. Um, I don't want to see two things come out of this, though. And I'm going to take the other side. I don't want to see like all of a sudden the rap gimmick or just the, you know, the diss tracks insulting your opponents, just go completely like John Cena and like pulling out a bag of like cashews and being like D's nuts. You know, I don't want to see the whole thing cut out 
because he went a little bit too far. Like, then again, that's assuming that he has remorse and he realizes, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, that wasn't the best thing. Uh, and and I, I would hope that the internet wrestling community will uh, eventually move past this. I just don't want to see, you know, this derail a career where he can't get bookings. But then again, we're talking about a world where Drake Wartz is getting bookings. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, if he has remorse and if he looks and says, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, then I say we give him a pass. I know I will. Um, if he's like, fuck it, I don't see anything wrong with any of that, then that's a different story. So I think we'll find that as we go. But I'm a fan. I'm a, I always make it a point when he tweets those videos out because I don't watch Elevation or Dark. Uh, but when he tweets out the raps, I usually try to catch him there. For some reason, he didn't tweet this one out. Uh, so I, like I said, I had to see it from other means. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, maybe scale him back by 10% going forward. Um, and we'll see. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right, Joe, that's all for likes and dislikes. Yes. But did you watch your homework? Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. I did watch my homework. Of course I did. I'm a good uh, person on the show here. I watched my homework, too. I don't know, like, what you're implying here. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't skirt my responsibility, you know? Like some people. I'm not mentioning uh, names, Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> There's... <laughs> A guy on Twitter, my buddy Maxwell, he has this gimmick joke that he does that Chris Benoit skirted all responsibility by killing himself after his after killing his family so that he wouldn't have to go to jail for, you know what I mean? Really <laughs> that's a funny joke. That's a, that's, a, that's a dark joke after we're just like, how dare Max Caster make a joke about rape? Shame, shame. <laughs> yes. Anyways, homework. <laughs> all right, homework. All right, so. Uh, we are uh, so. Also, if you did not watch the show, uh, go over to front of the show, three-time winner of Add Odds Mania, Kevin Hellion's uh, website and masked library. He does a recap of the show there. Uh, but again, this was an episode of ECW Television, uh, December twenty ninth, two thousand nine. This was ECW Homecoming. There's a lot of homecomings lately, Joe. You realize that? There's there's GCW homecoming. Impact just had a homecoming. There's this. It's all coming together. AEW homecoming was this past week it's, as well. Exactly. Oh. And and I say, uh, what I thought I might have been watching AEW because I'm like, oh, AEW homecoming. <laughs> uh, then the opening, the first person that comes out is is current ECW champion. Uh, Christian, and I ask myself, wait a minute, am I watching AEW? <laughs> uh, but this is the setup. Uh, so in a very convoluted sense of things, they're doing a series of singles matches to go to a six to eight person battle royal. I was a little unclear on that. Um, I, think, I think they had announced six out of the eight, I think. Is the, okay, was the so it was an eight person battle royal. And then the winner of that battle royal would then face Christian for the ECW title at the upcoming Royal Rumble. Yes. <laughs> uh, so in one of those qualifying matches, uh, the first person out is 
Matt Hardy. And again, I ask, am I watching AEW? Is AEW? <laughs> um, and his opponent is Finley. And at, when they first played the music, right, they show Matt Hardy in the ring and they play the music. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's Matt Hardy versus Hornswoggle? And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> Finley. Because um, yeah. I forgot that, like, Finley and Hornswoggle had the same music. And I just think that when Finley and Hornswoggle are together, they should use that music. But that music is too, like, happy and un- upbeat for Finley. Oh, yeah. Uh, this match was good. It was a standard TV match. Um, really could have went either way. And uh, outside of Finley taking, like, a weird bump off the twist of fate, uh, this match was fine. Matt Hardy wins. Yeah, the twist of fate was kind of out of nowhere, which is good for a finishing move, but like it felt like it wasn't executed properly or he executed it like from a, I don't know, it was just, it looked weird. So it didn't look like the twist yeah, of fate because yeah. usually there's more uh, pop and circumstance than the execution of the twist of fate. But uh, I do agree. I, I, I really wished that it was Swaggle when I heard that music. <laughs> But you can point, speaking of historic things, I'm pretty sure that this is the match where, you know, Matt Hardy's knees went to crap because, you know, how he hasn't been able to walk for the last 15 years. Uh, I think this is where it happened because Finley really focused on Matt Hardy's knees. So it's Finley's fault? Yes, it's all Finley's fault. He's that Belfast bruiser, brawler, whatever. Uh, So they then show us a graphic that shows everyone uh, so far now that Matt Hardy is qualified. One of the people in the graphic that is qualified is Lance Archer. And again, I ask you, Adam, am I watching AEW? <laughs> yeah, kind of. He doesn't have the, the nice long hair yet, though. Right. Uh, we then get a backstage segment with uh, Tom Dreamer and Broski and Rosa Mendez. A young baby Broski. <laughs> I think he's approximately 12 years old in this. Yeah, and about 100 pounds lighter, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. 100 <laughs> pounds of pure muscle lighter. So he's full heel, and he tells Dreamer that Dreamer's a bum and washed up and everything else like that. Uh, Tom Dreamer says that Broski's nothing but a haircut and a catchphrase, and you see Broski like, hey, man, kayfabe, come on, give me a break here. Um, and he challenges him to a match later on tonight, that if Tom Dreamer loses, he would retire from professional wrestling. Uh, now, I didn't write them all down, but remember a week or two ago when we were talking about the EC or the, the Chikara show where everyone had like the value propositions? It's like you just can't be Razor Ramon. You've got to be the bad guy, Razor Ramon. Um, everybody on this show had some sort of thing like that. And mm-hmm. Broski was still the Long Island loudmouth. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but uh, this is, like, I don't have much recollection of ECW Broski, and, like, I I feel like I lost touch with remembering him when he stopped being an edgehead and then started knowing him when he became, like, the babyface or was kind of transitioning, so I don't have much memory of this. Like 2010-2011 Broski. Yeah, like Z, Z Long Island story type era. Yeah, yeah. All right. But another thing I just want to throw out here, uh, you know, obviously Broski's shit talking Tommy Dreamer and they basically whatever one of them challenges the other to a match. But Tommy Dreamer is the one that was like, oh, and by the way, if you beat me, I'll leave. So it wasn't even like Broski was, you know, challenging him or putting his manhood on the line. Like Dreamer volunteered that stipulation, which just seemed very out of place. Mm -hmm. 
It's almost like he had. It's almost like he was told that he wasn't uh, going to be used anymore as an on-screen talent, and that he was being forced to retire. And they had to somehow shoehorn it into the the storyline. Well, I think Broski's promo was kind of like, "You should just leave. You're old. You're nothing. You're this." And they mentioned on commentary that Dreamer is the last of the original original ECW originals that are still on this iteration of ECW. You know. Yeah. So I'm sure there might have been more context if we watched more of the episodic television for this. No, stay tuned to to the week after next homework. (laughs) No, I have a feeling I well. So, well, we'll get into that when we get into that. All right. Um, So then we have a segment where Ezekiel Jackson comes out uh, to build the big hot program between between him and Kozlov. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Adam. Yeah. I couldn't give Ze- I-, I couldn't give a care about this. Uh, Ezekiel Jackson was really bad at a promo. I guess he was supposed to be the heel in this, but he got like a babyface reaction. Kozlov, who looks like a big angry heel, was supposed to be the babyface in this, and he's terrible. Uh, I asked uh, e- WWE ECW superstar Bob Holly what he thought of this segment, and he told me the whole thing sucked. <laughs> uh, you know, credit to uh, Mass Library. Uh, for the blog, Kevin said in here, and I agree with him fully, that Ezekiel Jackson's theme music is the best. Like, it's the Brawl for All theme with a the rap thrown on there, and that's really the only good thing from this entire segment. Now, I know, I, so I watched this on the YouTube version, right? Yeah. And for some reason, I don't recall a segment backstage with Dreamer and Christian. Did I, like, fall asleep during that? Honestly, I don't remember that either. I'm seeing right. that in the write-up here. Yeah, so I think that might have been on, like, the network version as opposed to the YouTube version that I watched. Yeah, and there's uh, another right after the next match where uh, Kevin writes that Kelly Kelly wishes Tommy good luck, and I don't remember that either. Right, so I guess he watched it on the the, the, the Peacock or the network or whatever it was, and YouTube's like, yeah, we got to trim this down even more to take out these two promos or whatever. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, if again, Kevin's not sure. He says Kelly Kelly. I think question mark. If YouTube deprived me of freaking <laughs> this era of Kelly Kelly, <laughs> I am going to send a letter, a sternly worded letter to somebody. <laughs> oh, but anyways. So well, you know what? And I'll say we'll we'll get to it. When we get to it here as well. Uh, so next up is another one of those qualifying matches as Mike Knox takes on Evan Bourne, a.k.a. Matt Seidel. And Adam, I ask you again, am I watching AEW? (laughs) Maybe AEW Dark. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And this match was like the classic big guy versus little guy match. Uh, Evan Bourne was like really good at this time. Um, Might be like a dicky person in real life from time to time, but uh, it was a really good match. Um, They were really hammering it home. Like Josh Matthews is like, record this match on your VCR and play it back later because this is like a video game come to life when Evan Bourne wrestles. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) Get on AOL Instant Messenger and tell your friends to check. AOL keyword ECW (laughs) and go into the grandstand section and download a picture of Sonny while you're waiting for this match. Anyway, Evan Bourne wins. Uh, next up is we have a recap of this past week's Monday Night Raw. Now, this is on the YouTube thing. I think if there's anything that you could clip out, 
Yeah. Is this a recap of a show that's not associated with this? And this is something that always pissed me off when I was watching, like, the stuff on a more regular basis around this time. So you'd watch Raw, and then you'd watch ECW, and you'd get a recap of Raw. And you'd watch SmackDown, and you'd get a recap of Raw. Where was the recap of ECW and SmackDown on Raw? Yeah, I, I feel like there was a time when there was the hard brand split where Raw would show SmackDown, SmackDown would show Raw. But there definitely was never ECW recaps. Yeah, I don't know. And I will tell you, I I disagree with you. I don't mind the highlights of like the Seamus John Cena stuff because it's kind of like a moment in time. You know, like it's a here's a context of what else is going on on the greater WWE at this point. But I could have done without, at least on my YouTube feed, the two different commercials for the upcoming Royal Rumble. Like, you could stop yeah. trying to sell me that pay-per-view. <laughs> you know? Again, you could cut those things out and leave, like, the actual contextual things for the episode itself into the episode itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, I so I did, as soon as I saw Raw Recap come up, I did skip it, I'll be honest with you. Um, until I saw the teaser for next week on Monday Night Raw, Adam. Mm-hmm. For the first time in almost 10 years, Brett the Hitman Hart is going to be on Monday Night Raw. Now, do you know the backstory behind this? Uh, I mean, it's, obviously, this is when he was brought in as the the guest host or the the, the guest GM, and you know he uh, kissed and made good with the greatest of all time, Shawn Michaels. But uh, I mean, vaguely, I remember. Okay, so like the storyline reasons are all those things that you mentioned, and it's to set up the match with him and Vince at WrestleMania that year. But the actual uh-huh. reason that this was done is, you know, in the timeline of this episode. This upcoming Monday night is the first episode of TNA Impact that goes head-to-head on Monday nights against Monday Night Raw. Okay. So, like, this is the whole thing. Like, Hogan's going to be on the show, and Bischoff's going to be on the show, and then Flair ends up debuting on the show as AJ Styles' manager, and, like, they go all in um, against Monday Night Raw, and Raw's like, yeah, we'll just have Bret Hart be on our show, and, like, nobody will watch your shit, and that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Oh, all right. So next up, backstage, uh, Yoshitatsu is teaching Gold Dust Japanese, and then they're interrupted by Kaylin Croft and Trent Beretta. To which I ask you yet again, Adam, am I watching AEW? <laughs> yep. Yeah. You got yeah. Gold Dust. You got Trent. Yes. And uh... <laughs> uh, so then it's main event time. Uh, as the Long Island loudmouth Broski, accompanied by Rosa Mendez, takes on the heart and soul of ECW, Tom Dreamer. Um, I will say, uh, I think what Broski was, as I mentioned, Broski was 12 in this match. <laughs> yep, yep, still 12. Uh, uh, but if you did like an aerial shot of this match, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell who was who based on the tops of their heads. Yeah, Broski was 12 with the hairline of a 40-year-old. <laughs> Not just the bald spot of a 40-year-old. <laughs> um, match was fine. It was a very hotly contested match. Uh, even though I don't know if it was... There was a part early on where uh, uh, Dreamer gave Broski like the shittiest hip toss I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And I think it might even be uh, the one that's in the picture on Kevin's write-up. And I don't know if it was like Dreamer couldn't get him over or Broski didn't go over for it, but it looked real bad. Uh, but other than that, uh, outside of Broski's bald spot, this match was good. Uh, good finish. Uh, even though everything was sort of telegraphed, you know, like 
Dreamer hitting the DDT and Broski being too close to the ropes and all that sort of stuff. Um, but Broski wins. He is now and forever will be the heart and soul of ECW. Yep. And Deathmatch Legend, right? <laughs> Um, and the $1,000 Broski and the Michael Jordan of wrestling figure collecting and so on and so forth. He really needs to add the heart and soul of ECW into his, uh, into his like podcast introduction, or at least when he's introduced at wrestling events, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Tom Dreamer gives an impassioned speech about coming to this building with his dad and two friends. Uh, and it was an, like, and the, the crazy part about it is he's like, and there was a Piper's pit. And Roddy Piper starts ragging on a woman of the crowd that he's she's from Yonkers and Dreamer's like, I'm from Yonkers. And as soon as Dreamer says it was a Piper's pit, I'm like, oh, shit, I've seen that house show. Oh, my goodness. I know what he's talking about, you know, because <laughs> um, like there's like camera footage or whatever it was, because a lot of the Piper stuff is out there, you know. Yeah. Um, and then Beulah and the two kids are there and he talks about like what is, you know, his little girl's. Say what his dad does for a living is that he falls down, but he always gets back up and he brings the girls who are wearing their matching Christmas outfits. And it's I'm sure it's late and they want to just be in bed and they don't want to be bothered with any of this. But it was nice that Tom <laughs> Dreamer got this nice moment. Uh, and who would know that this speech 12 years later would be the inspiration for Cody's speech when he faked retired on AEW this past week? <laughs> like, I, so I watched this on Wednesday morning, OK? Uh-huh. And then I watched AEW Wednesday night, and I'm like, ah, these, these promos, like, feel like the exact same thing, you know? Yeah. Well, like you always say, you know, if you want to uh, find some material, whether it be a move or a promo, go and look at, you know, older footage of stuff that nobody watched. And uh, yeah. I guess this is, WWE CW would fit that bill. Well, what, one would say that both were very inspired by Dusty Rhodes. Tommy Dreamer is a big Dusty Rhodes fan. Obviously, Cody, it's his dad. So it just there's there's a lot of like multiplicity, like a copy of a copy of a copy going on here as yeah. we get further away from original Dusty promos. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to copy promos. It's another thing like copy promos, uh, like an idea for a promo. Like if you're gonna steal from a Dusty Rhodes promo, like. Steal from, like, the 11th one that you find, not the first two. <laughs> but, like, a move or something like that, that's a little bit different, you know? Yeah. I I will say, like, this was a, a decent match, and maybe the hip toss being thrown off had to do with the fact that Broski was off balance, only having one leg on his tights, you know? Sure. Uh, that's entirely possible. I just feel like the the crowd couldn't give a shit either way. You know, like, if you're... Maybe I am just you know, just completely brainwashed by WWE where I need the crowd noise to be pumped in, you know, for me to, to have a feeling one way or another, but I don't feel like the crowd was cheering Tommy dreamer during the match. I don't feel like they were booing broski. And when broski won, they were all just kind of like, eh. And then when he, uh, when Tommy dreamer was, you know, cutting his goodbyes, it got a spattering of applause. It just felt like, as you said, maybe the entire crowd was as tired as Tommy's daughters. Yeah. Yeah. But as you mentioned, very historic show. We got to see the the night that Matt Hardy's knees got shot forever. We got to see the advertising for Bret Hart. We got to see the day that the torch was passed in hardcore wrestling. So I think for just a a 40 minute episode of television, this was a a solid piece of homework, right? Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) I I think you could uh, expect 
many bite-sized programmings from my future assignments. No more three-hour pay-per-views coming your way from me. Well, I do have, you know, it's not three hours, but, uh, of course, sticking with my normal assignments here, I don't want to steal your preserved heat. Uh, This show is a little bit longer than normal. Uh, That is the next Jakar event uh, from somewhere in Maine. I forgot to write that down. Uh, the event is entitled The Great Escape. Um, running the, Now, I want I do want to just say that the description, for some reason, on uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium is, like, wildly incorrect. Like, there's an entire match missing and, like, people missing out of multiple people matches and stuff. Hmm. Uh, that being said, um, the main matches that we're going to be watching on this that we have to look forward to, whatever, is the main event as Eddie Kingston... Uh, defends the Grand Championship against Sarah Del Rey. And uh, Icarus takes on Chikara Newcomer, the mysterious and handsome stranger. Okay. Uh, And again, the rest of the card is there. The link for this will be in the show notes and so on and so forth. Um, There will be some supplemental material. Uh, I think I mentioned a week or two ago um that i'll link them all up here like in a show like in a tweet on the uh show twitter account but i think it's only like seven videos totaling maybe about five minutes altogether. okay perfect and i i believe you said that at least some of that has to do with my boy uh archibald pack right right so all the supplemental material is all of the where in the world is uh archibald packs perfect at least i'm looking um, forward to that part Right. So obviously you said that, you know, what your homework assignment is going to be in two weeks. Well, next week is SummerSlam. Oh. And then the week after that is your assignment. And I'm not writing it with pen, but I'm already penciling it in to be the Nightmare Family Showcase Volume 3. No, you know what? Uh, Again, you know, thank you to the couple people that reached out to let me know that that was a thing. Um, I'm keeping that in my back pocket, but I'm not going to go to that quite yet i have some okay. other some other irons in the fire okay no. uh so mentioned in jerry's internet wrestling emporium of course uh you could use the promo code at odds does not get you anything free new subscriber but if you do sign up and you stick with it we get some sort of kickback from jerry it's a way of letting jerry know that you got to him by us um i know i mentioned it when it first came out but i would be remiss to mention it again uh, that LVAC Real Rumble uh, 2, Night 1 and Night 2, are available. Uh, whether you want to get an MP4 download of it from the good folks at SmartMark Video, or you want to get a DVD of it directly from the LVAC folks themselves, uh, store.squareofopposition.com. I'm almost certain it's like the first or second thing up there, uh, but the link to that is in the show notes. Um... Yeah, yeah. So if you go there, LVAC, and then the DVD for the show is there. Uh, but this buy week, a copy, I just want to say, if you buy a copy, Joe and I will sign it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you actually have a, you know what? So I'll say this. You want to be a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> if you want to be a pain in the ass and get a physical copy, because SmartMark's selling physical copies as well, but I'll direct you to, uh, you know, uh, LVAC to buy the physical copies, unless as Adam mentions, uh, to have he or I sign it. So uh, this weekend, bunch of live streams on uh, 
independentwrestling.tv. Friday is night one of the Scenic City Invitational. Saturday is night two of the Scenic City Invitational, as well as the Action uh, Scenic City Future Showcase Tournament. Sunday is both uh, Camp Leapfrog, Abby Jane's 21st Birthday Extravaganza, and IWTV 100. Now, I have it on very good authority that Adam is going to be live at IWTV 100. Yep, I am the show correspondent, making towns, you know, going to all these indie shows. It just sucks that I have to go to New Jersey once again, but other than that, I'm looking forward to, to being there. So if you want to be a pain in the ass, this was the old school thing that folks used to do back in the day. If there was like an event that Smart Mark was, Smart Mark was taping, and Smart Mark folks will be there taping these shows this weekend, they would contact Smart Mark and say, hey, can you bring XY DVDs with you? I'm going to be at this show because I want to buy them. One, to save on shipping, and two, just to be a pain in the ass. So if you want to be a pain in the ass, contact Smart Mark. Tell them that you want a copy of Real Rumble if you're going to be at IWTV 100 so you could buy the DVD right then and there and then go and have Adam sign it. <laughs> or at the very least, uh, we'll, we'll get a Mark photo together and I don't have to deface your DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Bring a paint pen. Shake it up nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, of course, uh, you want to help out the show uh, in the show notes for every single one of these episodes. Uh, right at the top of the description is our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, Amazon calls it an advertising fee because if it wasn't for us telling you that Amazon existed, you would not know that Amazon existed. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, oh, and then the, I think the T Public sale is going on. If you go to the mother, uh, the mother uh, ship link, mm. tinyurl.com slash long box heroes 35 percent off all the stuff that has at odds uh, uh logos you can get it on shirts and cell phone covers and notebooks and tapestries and throw pillows and all sorts of shit like i said 35 percent off any of the purchases through t public uh our store up until sunday awesome and uh other things you should listen to if you are driving to new jersey to watch iwtv 100 are some other podcasts such as Final Wrestling Place, Long Box Heroes, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, The House Show Podcast, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, Not Another Sports Podcast, Hellions Talks, The A Show, IWTV Guide, and the upcoming Hit My Music. Joe, that's becoming a longer and longer read every week. Right. You need to write them all down if you don't already have them written down, you know? I'm reading them off a list. What am I, Ed Cody? I'm not going to try to do these from memory. <laughs> well, I remember from listening to uh, We Need Wrestling where DJ would write the list down, but then he would forget someone. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, I got to do the list again. And then he would do the list again and then forget someone, like add one that he forgot, but then forget one that he had in the week before. Yeah. And I think he's finally now after there at about 106 episodes themselves, 107 episodes themselves. Uh, I think DJ's finally got it down. Yeah. Well, I always listen to the plugs. I always want, I always warms my heart when people plug porch talk. That's all I listen for. <laughs> a very good and real podcast. <laughs> as good as any other non-recorded podcast. Yes. <laughs> all right. So I think that's it outside of uh, weekly purchases and toy boy discussion, huh? Yes, it is. 
Yep, Joe, I know you're going to find this very hard to believe, but I had a pretty big week for weekly purchases. I don't find it hard to believe. <laughs> All right, well, I will just go ahead and say I'll, I'll, I'll do a couple of mine. I'm sure you have many that we can put in the middle, and then I'll close it out. Uh, but the first thing I want to say that I purchased, and actually up until like – the day before yesterday, I thought this might have been my only weekly purchase. I was like, oh, I'm going to have like a, a one purchase week. And that was I did track down and by track down, meaning I bought on eBay uh, the Smart Mark Sterling micro brawler. Oh, OK. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I bought that on eBay, uh, many more were put up in the major Facebook group for less money than I paid. So that always makes me feel good. <laughs> You're but, in the major Facebook group with the you you know you unlike me are taking the full advantage of that group in getting like these weird and rare and hard to find items. Yes. So I'm not sure why you uh, uh, go to eBay when something like is so new and fresh. You know. Yeah, I, I realize that when I see the the uh major pod remco figure two packs going for like a fraction of what they were a year ago that you know patience is rewarded yeah but i, I ain't got no patience joe uh, <laughs> i just wanted to get it and just add it to the collection so i have it i don't care you know it costs what it costs uh the other thing that i bought i, I had sent out i believe i tweeted this out or i put it up on facebook or whatever but i don't know if you've seen the funko seinfeld mini set yes i did yeah so basically it's six little pieces of a diorama that form the seinfeld set and there's little tiny bobbleheads that go in there um i bought it just because i finally saw it in stores uh, I had only seen like the uh, the jacked up prices on like the secondary market, but I saw the whole set at Target and I was like, oh, I'll buy this. And then I got them home and I'm like, these look stupid in the box. I'm like, should I open them? And I, <laughs> blasphemously, I opened like this is the first thing I've ever first toy I've like opened since I was like a little kid. Uh, so I built it in my uh, my living room floor. And then I'm like, now what the fuck am I going to do with this? Because it's it's not big, but it's not. Like you can't just throw it on a shelf somewhere. It needs its own like countertop. So whatever, it's sitting in my podcast room right next to me. I had to take down like some stuff to make room for it. But not only did I buy that, Joe, but I also pulled the trigger on on uh, two days ago. Lego put for sale the Seinfeld uh, set, which is like, once again, just the, uh, the the apartment made out of Legos. And I needed that just because I love Seinfeld. And we seem to be in the golden age of Seinfeld merch now, like 30 years later. That's what they say the sweet spot is, that 30-year nostalgia for a lot of people, you know? Yep. And uh, listen, I, I like Seinfeld. It was a funny show. But I don't know, like, it doesn't lend itself to be toyetic. No, not at all. But th that don't stop them from making toys of it. So I'm glad, like, I'm like, eh, I don't need those. I'm okay. Yeah, it's just like as a, somebody who's been a collector of stuff like his entire life, this is my first chance to get any Seinfeld stuff. You yeah. know, like there was nary a T-shirt for like 20 years, you know, so I, I'm just kind of taking what I can get. I think the most they had was um, posters and you get posters of the George uh, photo shoot 
where yeah. like the the boudoir photos the timeless art of seduction it's called yes there you <laughs> go and then the the kramer one where uh like you know uh the the guy does the painting of kramer like it's like this like not fully abstract but you know what i'm talking about yeah he's an offensive brute yet i can't look away <laughs> there you go so yeah you are more seinfeld fan than me um but i got you on simpson stuff but nobody's counting so there you go how what many about- i will oh go ahead go ahead go ahead I was going to say, what about you? What'd you buy? Okay, well, I didn't buy a new water heater yet. Oh, that's good. For that's more still, on that, long that's still, after dark. That's still working itself out. Uh, maybe Saturday they'll be here. Okay. So it'll, be a, it'll be a week without hot water, you know. Yeah, well, um, look, luckily you only missed one shower. <laughs> uh, no, I, that's the thing. I've been taking cold showers. Oh, okay. But because it's still hot out, it's not like super cold it's just kind of cold okay uh and then i did i did have one purchase this week um i would say uh definitely top three let's say you know for sure top two uh my favorite comedians is the comedian dana gould uh does a lot of like weird and you know what could be considered hipstery stuff but i tell myself that it's not because you know i'm a fan so i don't want to be branded with that brush um, but during the pandemic, he did a gimmick called Hanging with Dr. Z, where the premise was that he's Dr. Zayas from the Planet of the Apes films. And Dr. Zayas himself was just a working actor at the time who happened to get cast in five movies about ape people. And it started off as a bunch of like photoshops of him at like, you know, like at the height of like 60s and 70s you know, party scene in Hollywood. Then it becomes a Dick Ta- Dick Cavett-esque talk show on YouTube that he has a bunch of people on. And, like, Dane is in, like, the full ape makeup. He has Greg Nicotero, who's a buddy of his, do the makeup and everything for him. So this past Sunday, they did a Kickstarter to do season two. Uh, and the pitch was, like, last season cost us $40,000. Um, and, and it was essentially me just throwing $40,000 in the toilet because I made no money off of it, you know? Yeah. So the Kickstarter is going to be for $20,000 because he goes, I'll eat half the cost. And they put up like tons of stuff. There's so many rewards. I don't think I've seen a Kickstarter with more rewards than this. Um, You know, from as little as $10 and you get like a tweet and a follow from Dr. Zayas to like thousands of dollars where you get to come in and be a guest on the show, you know? So when is your guest spot? <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't go that crazy. I just went like the $35 level where like I get a shirt, you know? And like you get like mm-hmm. early access when the episodes go up, you know? Uh, so okay. that's what I bought. And that was 35 bucks, you know? But again, it's Kickstarter. The thing just started. So like the money hasn't been taken yet, you know? Okay. But that's the only purchase that I had this week. All right. I have a couple more. Uh, <laughs> so... I mentioned after my uh, New York City fig hunt, uh, Doll Safari, that I was getting the itch for Jack's Classic Superstars, how I was not collecting the entire run that these existed. And so I was just kind of discovering more and more of them as we went along. So I had, when I was at one of the toy stores in New York, I almost pulled the trigger on a Bobby Heenan that was... Not super expensive, but uh, more expensive than it should have been. So I I walked away from it, but I recently just purchased that Bobby Heenan on eBay for basically what it, maybe a little bit more than it cost at Toys R Us like 10 years ago. 
So okay. I, just you, I just sent you the picture. So I am now up to my my extensive Bobby Heenan collection is now uh, consists of two elites, one Jack's Classic Superstars, and one LJN. Okay. So it's slowly growing. And the last thing that I bought, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but today, well, I guess the last two weeks have been like San Diego Comic-Con at home, but uh, a lot of stuff went live today, and most specifically Funko put all of their San Diego Comic-Cons on sale today. Uh, So it was one of those things where if you won a lottery, um, you would get first cracks at stuff, and I did not win the lottery uh, neither did some of the folks that I kind of go in with where, you know, hey, if you win, you know, get me this. Or if I win, get me that. So none of us won. So we were all in the trenches with the general public. Uh, and anyways, long story short, I went into it with an agenda of eight different Funkos that I wanted. And I ended up getting seven of them, uh, which I think is an accomplishment because it's one of those things where the site is offline up until 9 a.m., and then at 9 a.m., it's like a mad dash to get shit added to your cart, go into the checkout, type in your credit card stuff because you can't like pre-log in or anything like that. Um, so long story short, I ended up getting seven different Funkos. I won't bore you with them, but one of them I didn't even want. I just added it to my cart to see if it would go through, and that was a Stargirl Funko Pop. And I only did that because it was a, a San Diego-only exclusive that they only made like a 1,000 of, and if uh since they didn't cancel my order when that one arrives i can sell that one and it'll pay for the entire order so i'm happy about that okay but, uh, i ended up getting like uh we talked about the cobra bat they made a funko out of roboto from he-man they made one black noir from the boys so a lot of a lot of cool ones that i needed but uh that huge you funko. Needed. i needed them joe the only one i missed out on was shockwave which is hurting my transformers funko uh completist streak so i need to track that one down hmm. but yeah so, that was a it was an expensive morning with funko when are you getting rid of all your funkos now <laughs> the purge is happening any day now joe okay any day now yes i i get i'm not getting rid of all of them but i can see myself i need space so before these like eight show up i need to like sell eight of them to make room i'm, I'm very low on space I forget who I said this to um, online. Someone's like, hey, I'm thinking about getting into some collecting stuff. What should I get? And the first thing I said was, like, don't get started on Funko. Because it just yeah. spirals out of control. As Adam <laughs> mentions, well, there was ten that I wanted. I got eight. A couple of them I got just to flip. And I'm like, so much work. So much space. And the fact that there's they have so many licenses, it never ends. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, I have a couple Funko Pops. I will be completely honest with you. The ones that I have were purchased for a very specific reason. It's Roddy Piper, Macho Man, Vince McMahon, and Ric Flair. So that I can recreate that angle from WF TV from 1991, mm-hmm. where Piper and Macho and Vince are doing commentary. Flair comes over uh, and starts harassing them, gets into a big brawl. Macho wa- or Piper wildly swings the chair and lays out Vince. Yeah. <laughs> so anytime I want to recreate that moment, I have the Funko Pops to do it. <laughs> and that's the best way to do it with big photography of uh, Funkos. Right, of course. Yeah. Well, you know who you have to blame for my Funkos, and that's your other co-host, Todd, because 
originally I was like, oh, these are stupid. They're stupid little bobbleheads. I don't want these. They're not real. They're not real dolls. Not like the rest of the toys that I have. <laughs> and Todd, the the world famous enabler for my birthday one year, got me a Ben Roethlisberger Funko Pop, which at the time was like the only Steelers Funko Pop. You know, it had just come out. And I was like, oh, OK, you know what? This is cool. Uh, all those other comic book related ones and are, are, are stupid, but this, because I'm a Steelers fan, this is the one and done Pittsburgh Steelers Funko Pop. I'll have this. It'll be the only one. And then a couple months later, there's like, here's a Ben Roethlisberger and on a away jersey. And here's an Antonio Brown and Jerome Bettis. And I was like, okay, the only rule I have is I'm only buying Pittsburgh Steelers Funko Pops. How many could there possibly be? Sure. So. I was only maybe up to like 10, 11, who cares? Big deal, 10 bucks a pop, $15 each, whatever. And then they came out with Yankees ones, New York Yankees, but it was only two, Joe. They only did uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. I was like, ah, so I'll get Steelers and Yankees. No big deal, but none of those <laughs> stupid comic books or TV shows or any of that stuff. I'm just going to get Steelers and Yankees. And then we started carrying Funkos at the importer-exporter place, and I realized how cheap I got them for, and I bought a Captain America one. And when somebody questioned me about, hey, what about your rules of Steelers or Yankees? I was like, fuck you, I'll buy whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's how I got to the point where I now have like close to like 500 of them and I need like a second apartment for them. <laughs> now, I will say this. They're a good gift to give people because they have so many licenses. Yeah. But you have to gift them to a person who you know doesn't have that addictive personality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know a couple years ago for Christmas I or his birthday or whatever, I got Todd like some Doctor Who Funko Pop or whatever it was, right? Yeah. Now, if I was a Doctor Who person and I'm not. I think they have Funko Pops of, like, all the different Daleks. And they, I know they have one for every of the Doctor, okay? For most of the Doctors, they have, I mean, not all of them, but all the modern Doctors. And then even then, there's multiples of each Doctor. Right. So you can, obviously, if you don't have a, an addictive personality, I can say, I think the Daleks look cool. They don't really look like Funko Pops, but they're size comparable. I'll just get all of those. Mm. or I know there's like seven of the scarf doctor, but I like the way the scarf looks particularly on this one. Or if the scarf doctor is your favorite, you could just get all of the scarf doctor. Mm -hmm. But then like that opens up season four stuff to you. If you're so inclined again, Funko is not, it's a, it's a good gift to some give someone, but it's not a good gift to someone who has an addictive personality. Or it's a good gift to get somebody just to kind of stick it to them. Like if they do have an addictive personality and you want to just ruin their, their time right. and money for a couple of years. <laughs> if you want to ruin their life, yes. Yes. <laughs> but that's all I bought, Joe. Uh, but I think we need to we need to do a follow-up on some discussion we had previously about the, the Mattel Back the Ring campaign. Yes. So our plan and our decision was, uh, as that went live, that we were going to kind of revisit it like right before everything wrapped up. OK. Mm -hmm. um, as they were only doing it for a month or whatever it was. Well, on Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, the Toy Boys had on from Mattel, Stephen and Robert on Thursday to kind of discuss a little bit more because last week. On the show, Brian and Broski teased that there was more information that they had and they wanted to be able to, to share it, and they did. 
So what they've added for as an early bird special that if you pre-order before the 13th of August, which is one week today, uh, not only do you get the diesel, not only do you get the real scale ring with the ring skirts, not only do you get that fancy LED uh, entranceway, you get specifically WrestleMania 10 gear uh, Macho Man, plus you get the ringside table for commentary, microphones, folding chairs, and uh, headset microphones as well. Uh, but that's only part of the early bird special. And they also said that the Macho Man and the Diesel, and if they get to it, the Doink, uh, are going to be in elite packaging. They're not going to be in like a, just like a brown sack, you know? <laughs> yeah, or just a nondescript box. Right, and that was one of the things as me as a on you know an in, in, in box a mint in box collector, um, I wasn't going to be opening them up, but they just came like in a plastic bag. I'm like, I don't want them, you know. They better come in a cool box. Mm-hmm. So when the podcast episode went live, uh, the funding was at twenty one percent. Yep. And that was about 12 hours ago, and currently, uh, it is at 33%. Yeah, it's so jumping. It went up a bunch. It's still a long way from the goal, and it's even a further way away from the doink goal. Yeah. All right. I think anybody who's hoping to get the doink, you know, or the, the God forbid, the swappable ring skirts, you can just go ahead and get rid of that dream. That's not happening. It's not hitting 7,000 backers. This thing's going to be lucky. It might chug along to 5,000. It depends on, you know, what, uh, you know, obviously enough people need to hear what, uh, the, you know, the guys from Mattel said on the toy boy podcast. And, you know, they said on that podcast that they are including this figure, this uh, Macho Man figure in lieu of some of their advertising budget, you know? So a lot of the word of mouth from this has to come from, you know, Hawkins and Ryder and smart Mark and their, their listeners. So um, I think that we are going to see a big jump like we did today, maybe over the next three days, three, four days. And, Hopefully that gets us from the 1700 that it's at now to the neighborhood of like 3000, maybe 3500, because I feel like if enough people see that it's within reach, that might tip people over. Um, I, for one, like I was on the fence before, but I feel like the inclusion of the macho man almost makes it a must you know, I'm not gonna say a must buy for me because you're not guaranteed to get it. But like, what's the harm? You know, like I I think that like I I said this to somebody in the Pod Van Dam Toy Discord, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's thinking this. There are people that are dropping four, five, six hundred dollars on a one of three thousand AEW Cody Chase. You know, you have the opportunity to get a one of like 5,000 diesel and a one of like 3,000 macho man figure, you know? So these are characters that are much more popular, a much more detailed and articulated figure with similar production runs. And you're getting them both for 250 bucks. And Oh, by the way, if you're like me and you don't give a shit about the ring or the entrance stage, you can just go and sell them for at the worst case, what you paid for the entire package, but more likely for a profit. I just feel like it's a can't miss. So I think that like, while I haven't done it yet, 
uh, I, I'm almost to the point where I would do a live purchase on the air if my credit card was in this room, you know? So uh, I thought we had three weeks to play, but we have a week. Uh, I will make my decision next week. Um, obviously not in any toy discords or I'm a lurker on the toy boys Facebook group, Mm -hmm. but just from what I saw people talking about on Twitter about it is it looks as though there's a lot of people that, uh, that are on the fence about it that don't want the ring just because the ring takes up so much space. Right. Yeah. And I'm not. And let him breathe collector. And even if I was, the ring is so big, that's going to take up so much real estate. Um, So I would be flipping the ring. And a week ago, before the Macho Man was added, this was me taking a loss. Um, But the problem is I really want the entrance way because I think the entrance way looks cool. Yeah, it definitely looks cool, but I would never unbox it and plug it in. So all I would have was a box with a picture on it. So for that, it means nothing to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd rather use the ring and the entranceway to basically, you know, rebate the entire thing. So I walk out of it with an ultimate diesel and an ultimate macho that I didn't pay anything for. You know? Right, because even even if, you know, and obviously them talking about how fancy or whatever the... Uh... The entranceway is, and let's say the entranceway is like 50 bucks, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the two ultimates themselves are 30. The ring is whatever it is. Um, like, I would do that and break even, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, because I would throw the ring up with the, uh, the, 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 you know, the commentary the, stuff. The commentary stuff. I would throw that all up as a package and just say, make me an offer. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like even if I had, I mean, what's 250 bucks? I mean, if I had to sit on it for six months and let all the people that were flipping it initially do it, and then, you you know, you're always going to have people that are like, like, hey, anybody got one of those uh, new generation arena entranceways, you know? Yeah. I I, I don't know. Maybe it's the broski in me, but I feel like this is a, a can't-miss opportunity if this thing gets funded. Well, I will revisit this in a week. So we have until you have until the 13th to get the macho, right? Correct. And the 22nd is when the overall campaign ends. So as we are talking right now, yeah, so next week is literally like one your one day warning. So you'll have to decide uh, if we're going to do an on air purchase. And you can you can always mumble out your credit card number and the the CID and everything when we're on the air. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. It was at sixteen ninety six. I'm hitting refresh. Sixteen ninety seven. Joe, did you just buy it and not tell me. No. <laughs> All right. It's it's creeping up. It's at thirty three percent. I think I think this is gonna get made and I'm gonna buy one. And then dot 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 make lots of money. There's something in the middle there. I don't know what it is though. <laughs> I, I have a I have a week to think about it as opposed to three weeks. All right. And it also helps that they did uh since the last time we recorded, it just pre-authorizes your card. So it doesn't actually take the money out, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say that with ninety percent certainty I will be uh backing this ring. I'm like seventy-five percent certainty. Uh at least right. throwing my money into the coffers. And if it makes it, I'll be happy that in a year I'll have those figures. And if it doesn't make it, at least I can say I did my part. I'm not buying five like Broski. I'm not a maniac, you know? 
Well, that's the only way we're going to get the doink, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So next week we will have a decision uh, as to whether or not this uh, campaign will have two more additions to it. Yeah. I'm that's all my, I got. I'm hoping to do my part. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want it to be like the Ecto-1, where you're the one guy who didn't pledge. That's right. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you very much uh, for hanging with us through the Toy Boy segment uh, for episode 150 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Enjoy some wrestling and be safe, everyone. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.